So now you can actually go into the store. We have a sign with a QR code on it. You scan it and you check yourself in. It's basic, you know, first name, last name, phone, email. Yes, this is the car I brought in. Very, very simple. But, you know, like I mentioned, not something that's difficult for an associate to do, but that's time that now the associate can be working with somebody who's currently waiting on doing paperwork. If we can get those check-ins to self-serve and really just introducing more self-service options to the customer when you come in. Again, the pandemic has changed a lot of our mindsets. I want to do things myself. Go pick up something from Home Depot. You just pull in a spot and they bring it to your car. I don't need to talk to anybody. So many companies now have gone to this model and our consumers expect it. So how can we start including that in the experience at CarMax? Because previously, it's you have to wait per person. So it's really exciting. And we we did roll this out to the first location uh, down in Florida. So I got to go down there, see it in action, watch our, our customers scan it, ask them questions, what they think about it. It's very funny because, again, we've really instituted this expectation with consumers that QR codes are everywhere. Self-service is everywhere. So when you ask them of their experience, it's almost lackluster. It's like, well, yeah, of course, that was easy. Like, I do that at Panera every other week when I go there. Uh, It wasn't something that was super revolutionary or, you know, overly innovative. But it really will change the outcome of things that will follow, if you will. Is That's the first step of self-service. What's the next thing that we could roll out to be self-service and build upon it and really build that iteration of this product experience for the consumer now? You're listening to Coffee with Product, sharing the wisdom and experiences of today's thriving product managers from the smallest startups to the largest enterprises. We'll showcase the enlightened perspectives of product managers that have found new ways to make positive impacts on their careers, traversed unexpected hardships, and ultimately transformed their approach to building product. So wake up and let wisdom be your way forward with your host, Michael Fountain. I'm your host, Michael Fountain, and today's product wisdom and career tips come from Susan Stavinsky. So Susan is an experienced product leader who has been working in the software industry for over 10 years. She's passionate about customer discovery, driving value to end users at every step of the product development lifecycle. And Susan is currently working as senior product manager at CarMax focused on improving the in-store customer experience. And that is a new one for me, in-store customer experience versus online. So welcome to the show, Susan. Very, very happy to have you on as a guest this weekend. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your current role at CarMax. And if you don't mind as well, what does that product org look like? I'm so curious because I always think of CarMax as just a big box, you know, car dealerships. Most people do. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah, I'm not alone. And I Good. love that Good. I threw in that in-store experience because, yeah, it's it's new for me too. So I'll love to tell you a little bit about that and what that means. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty new to CarMax, I still say. I started about eight months ago, uh, but so far it's been fantastic. Really enjoy the overall product org and direction, what we're working on. And yes, when most people think about CarMax, you think about, oh, they sell used cars. That's about it, right? There's stores. They have a website. I can buy a car. What most people don't think about is where do all the cars come from? And that's actually the side of the house that I'm working on from product standpoint is the supply side of the house at CarMax is where do we get the cars? How do we get all the cars in? 
How do we turn them over, get them back out, whether that's to retail, though you'd see them inside of the store on the website, or we have a whole wholesale market as well that we we work in. And we have recently become the largest buyer of used cars, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. A, yeah. Yeah. It's been great to be part of that and, and seeing the growth there for the company. But yeah, again, never really thought about where the cars came from. So I've been working on the experience in a store when a customer wants to come in and sell their car to CarMax. Because you may know, CarMax will buy your car, even if you don't buy theirs, which is a really big thing for customers. If you're just looking to get rid of your car, a lot of com- uh, customers in this market with a pandemic decided we're going to go down to a one car household or I'm oh, wow. yeah. now. So that increases I don't demand. even need yeah, a car. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of people have been turning in their cars. It's a great time to do it because the used car market is really hot right now. So we're buying and buying all of these cars. But we have this amazing online experience. We always have, you know, CarMax, you can go online, shop for cars, look at all these different cars. And now you actually can get an offer on your car right there from your house, which is fantastic. But when it comes to showing up at the store and actually giving us your car, we haven't done as much work there. So we have a lot of teams now that are trying to really expand our Omni experience, not only be all these digital channels that you can experience CarMax, but that real life experience in the store as well. So when I started here, that was really the focus area is they know I'm very customer driven, care a lot about the end user. What am I looking at, feeling, touching, thinking when I'm experiencing something with CarMax? And the in-store experience was the focus area when it comes to, I want to sell my car to CarMax and how can we make that selling experience better? You know, that is pretty cool. And I got to admit, uh, 10 years ago, I sold a truck to CarMax when I was, I guess I was in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. And I was interested in buying a car, but I didn't want to sell it to the dealership, which was actually right across the street from the CarMax. And I remember looking online at the time because you could still do this online, but it was really primitive. But you could, um, I don't remember if I got a quote online or if I had to actually go into the store to get a quote. I just remember showing up, they did the assessment and I had a check in my hand. It was an amazing experience. And that was, yeah, that was actually 10 years ago, maybe even longer. Uh, And today, like, I was buying a car for my son who who just turned 18 and uh, used car. Absolutely. <laughs> but I was doing a ton of shopping and loved using CarMax as kind of a, a baseline of all the typical models because I didn't know if I wanted to buy a car from a local store, if I wanted to buy a car completely online, like the Carvana style. I mean, those are like the extremes and unfortunately I purchased too many cars over my lifetime and I don't like the haggle side of it. Um, I'll do it. Uh, I'm pretty good at it, but I just like, it's not my favorite experience. And whenever I can have a great, you know, online experience that translates to a great in-store experience, you said it, that's the Omni experience you're driving for, right? Yes. No, for sure. And most people don't enjoy car buying. (laughs) (laughs) They like car shopping. Oh, yes. They don't like car buying. So as much as you can take that stress off of customers as much as possible and the trading in of your current car or getting rid of your current car should be way easier than buying a car, right? So right now, probably your experience 10 years ago, other than getting an instant offer online, it probably hasn't changed much. I'm going to say it. Uh, But there's opportunity that we really could improve that customer experience when it comes to getting that car off of your hands and make it an even faster experience in the store. Uh, but we have a lot of older systems. If you go into a CarMax today, you'll you'll feel a little transformed. You maybe went back in time a little bit. Uh, our wonderful associates, by far the reason your experience will be fantastic. 
And thank goodness that they're cool with the outdated systems. But we are quickly, quickly getting us to the new century of of computers and, and making sure that this is way better in the store. Uh, but a lot of opportunity there, which is a cool place for a product manager to be. You see how it works today. You see how it's not as great as it could be. Uh, what are some really quick changes that we could roll out to the field that could make a huge impact? Because just think about the size of CarMax, right? You're making a change that could save five minutes, times that by the thousands upon thousands of shoppers every day. That's a lot of time that you just saved, which is really cool to see that level of impact. And this is the first time I've actually worked at a, at a company where you would have that level of impact. So it's been really exciting little terrifying, but it's also been very <laughs> exciting to see it in action and, and what you could really do. I love that. I was just trying to think back to my CarMax experience and most recently buying my son's car, but it, it, my son's car came from a local dealer. And you know, it's that buying experience that just takes forever. Luckily, I wasn't trading an old car in for it, but you know, I've sold cars to car dealers. That experience is, I just don't like it. As a customer who has sold several cars to car dealers as typically trade-ins, right? I just don't want, no. <laughs> it's just not an experience I look forward to. That and is, most, most consumers, you have no idea if you're getting a good deal. You just don't. That's not something that, you know, unless you're in the automotive industry, why would I know if this is a good deal or not? I think most of us go to, you know, Edmonds or Kelly Blue Book. Exactly. And like, this maybe is what my car's worth, but you really have no idea. <laughs> well, thank you for making that experience better. Uh, We're working on it. I'm right. very excited to keep digging into it. There's, like I said, lots of opportunity, but yeah, I'm very excited to see it transform over the next, you know, six to nine months. Gotcha. Two quick questions on that. So uh, you said you were launching an in-store product and you were testing it live in a store. Were you doing interviews with customers as they were coming in to get feedback or were you focused more on the staff experience, the employee experience? Well, so it's it's kind of both, right? It's, it's a marketplace, if you will, whenever you launch something in the store, because now you have your fellow peers who are working in the store, you're the associates, and you don't want to roll something out that's going to make their life harder. So we want to get the feedback from them, understand, hey, is this faster? What are you hearing? Did this change what you needed to do? How could we make that better or, or build on top of it? But then you're also watching the customers. So I'll tell you a little bit about what we launched. And this is currently being rolled out. So if you go to a CarMax today, you probably won't see it, uh, but hopefully very soon you will. Uh, but when you want to come in and sell your car, if you already got an online quote, we actually will let you self-check in. So you just need somebody to look at your car, make sure everything you told us online is true. And if so, we will honor that quote we gave you online. If for whatever reason, something's different, we may need to make an adjustment, but nine times out of 10, if as long as you were honest, you're good to go. But we got to put eyes on the car. Well, previously you had to wait for a person to help you. Well, seems silly. I already got my online offer. I just need someone to go look at my car, uh, but I need somebody to check me in to get that person to look at my car. So now you can actually go into the store. We have a sign with a QR code on it. You scan it and you check yourself in. It's basic, you know, first name, last name, phone, email. Yes, this is the car I brought in. Very, very simple. But, you know, like I mentioned, not something that's difficult for an associate to do, but that's time that now the associate can be working with somebody who's currently waiting on doing paperwork if we can get those check-ins to self-serve and really just introducing more self-service options to the customer when you come in. Again, the pandemic has changed a lot of our mindsets. Oh, I'm going to yeah. do things myself. Go pick up something from Home Depot. You just pull in a spot and they bring it to your car. I don't need to talk to anybody. So many companies now have gone to this model and our consumers expect it. So 
well, how can we start including that in the experience at CarMax? Because previously, it's you have to wait per person. So it's really exciting. And we, we did roll this out to the first location uh, down in Florida. So I got to go down there, see it in action, watch our, our customers scan it, ask them questions, what they think about it. It's very funny because, again, we've really instituted this expectation with consumers that QR codes are everywhere. Self-service is everywhere. So when you ask them of their experience, it's almost lackluster. It's like, well, yeah, of course that was easy. (laughs) Of course. I do it at Panera (laughs) every other week when I go there. Uh, It wasn't something that was super revolutionary or, you know, overly innovative, but it really will change the outcome of things that will follow, if you will, is that's the first step of self-service. What's the next thing that we could roll out to be self-service and build upon it and really build that iteration of this product experience for the consumer now? I love that. You know, advancing in-store technology in the car dealership. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I'm a car I know, guy. I mean, we I, all you know, know Carvana you know, went yeah. for it on the full other side of everything's online. Go to this massive vending machine to get your vehicle. Oh yeah. Um, that's kind of scary too. <laughs> it, it is. But I mean, you know, like I mentioned, our associates are fantastic. You know, that really aids in that car buying experience. It's, it's a big purchase. You want to know, I have all my questions answered. I want to feel confident in this decision. I think you know, having our, our in-store associate experience is so vital to that. But some of the other things, like just, I want to sell a car. I don't really need to talk to somebody. I already know what you're going to give me for it. I just want you to buy it and me be on my way. Yeah. Typically I've made a decision to sell my car. So just make it easy for me. Don't make me think too hard, which I love. If you go into a traditional dealership, they want to buy your car because it's part of them actually selling you a bigger car. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And and, And that's just not a fun experience. But anyway, I digress. Um, But what a cool way to build a product, right? Is taking something that has so traditionally been dependent on a person and reimagining how could someone do this in a self-service way? Yes, definitely. So what does the product org look like at CarMax? So I won't be able to get too far in the nitty gritty. I'm still learning a lot myself. I'll be honest there. But we have products, marketing, and engineering is all under product at at CarMax, which is really nice to have that as a family of departments because you need all of those to be successful in product. So it's been really fantastic to see how this company is organized that way and supporting each other when it comes to what we want to roll out and build from a customer experience standpoint. Um, Like I mentioned, I'm on the supply side. So how we buy cars. We actually also have a buy side, no surprise, you know, people want to buy cars. And then we have really our kind of financing, progress, transact. How do we make all of that stuff happen? Because we do have our own financing at CarMax as well. So you can actually do all of that there. So our product organization is broken into those three buckets, but we cross collaborate constantly. Okay. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Great stories there. And congratulations on the in-store launch, you know, really extending that Omni experience. So we know what you're doing today. Uh, Tell us how you got started in product management. And I see that you pivoted a little bit to product management uh, by like looking at your LinkedIn profile. Would you mind sharing that story with us? Yes. So I am, I feel like more and more people are pivoting into products. Some people, you know, know it immediately. I had no idea product was even a job (laughs) when I started out. Uh, I started out doing marketing. Uh, I was doing special events for real life events when catering and the entertainment industry. I actually did um, field trips for amusement parks. Uh, That was kind of my first full-time job was helping teachers get all the permission slips and the bus scheduled and all the activities put together and building this, you know, experience in real life for the amusement park industry. 
And I fell in love with special events. I thought it was awesome seeing, you know, kind of gathering on the requirements, if you will. How do we want to build out this event, executing the event, getting the feedback from the event, and how we're going to make it better next year. Um, I actually got involved with tech. My first tech job was coming in as their event coordinator. So they were running an annual customer conference. They also did multiple sales trade shows and they wanted to have somebody come in that could organize all of that, manage the budget, help sales, do all of that. So that's really what got me involved in technology was first joining from an event standpoint. Doing all of that and going to these events with our sales teams, I was able to hear these prospective customers coming up to sales, asking them questions. How could you solve my problem? How does your product work? And listening to how sales was pitching the product and pitching solving those problems. And it was really interesting to hear because, again, never really knew much about websites or this technology or software, how all that works. And I started really honing in on these customer problems. And I was fascinated with, okay, well, who do we give this feedback to? Who do we tell if they could make the product better if they just did X or Y or, or who makes those decisions? And so I started digging a little bit more, moved into a sales ops role where I helped stood up our B2B email platform, which is crazy to think that we weren't sending emails in 2015. <laughs> right. But I guess that was you know, six or so years ago, but helped them kind of build that out, sort of thinking about customer journeys, learning more about when customers are thinking about buying and, and how we interact with them moved into a product marketing role after that and joined our e-commerce team. And that's when I really learned about product. I got to sit with the product manager, sit with the engineers, really focused on retention. My job was all around keeping our subscription customers engaged and coming back month to month and making sure that they were happy with the product and what they were buying. So I understood what features were coming out, but I never still understood like, how do you set priority? How do you know what to build? And and why? And I just was fascinated that there's a job called a product manager who <laughs> got to do those things. Got to listen to customers and do discovery and talk to them all the time and just fell in love with this role. And at the time, there was no roles available. So I kept learning. I kept kind of sitting in the meetings, got exposed to discovery. And then when an associate PM role came available, I was very nervous to put my name in for it. I was like, sounds fantastic. I think this is great. But wow, that's a lot of responsibility for someone who runs the product. They have to make all these decisions. And I actually went and talked to three of the PMs who worked with me and asked them, you know, is this something that I should do? Is this some, what advice would you give me? And I will always remember um, one of the other product managers I worked with, I actually get to work with her again now that I'm at CarMax. She's at CarMax as well. And she sat down with me and she goes, I divide product managers into three buckets. You're either customer focused, you're tech focused, or you're business focused. You're never going to be all three. You're probably going to be two. And some people are really strong at one. If you think that you fall in one or two of those buckets and that would make you happy and you'd want to keep working there, she's like, I think you should go for it. And I thought it was really interesting because I was like, oh, you know, I always was holding myself back because I would never consider myself and I still don't today consider myself a technical product manager. I'm, I'm not going to sit in those capabilities meetings and tell an engineer how to code something. Gosh, no, like, that's not me. <laughs> I think I, I know enough words that I can sound dangerous in a meeting, but I can follow along, but I would never think, oh, I'm going to architect this with you. Not a chance. But I'm very customer driven. And I'm very business results driven. And I've always been that way in all of these roles that I've held. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go for it. And it was awesome. It was really cool. I joined as an APM. I had zero developers. I had a 
part-time designer who was basically moonlighting for me outside of his regular job. So for the first three to four months of my career, all I did was insane amount of discovery. And it was awesome. I think that's one of the best ways to get a product manager involved and empathetic and able to really focus on the problem is just go talk to as many people as physically possible every single day and run tests and mock up things and put them on usertesting.com and just hear all the feedback that you can because that will help drive that prioritization. It'll help build your gut that you're listening to every day when you want to make decisions. And it was kind of, I just fell in love with the whole process. That is an amazing journey. And I love what you started out with is more and more people are pivoting into product today and they don't realize it. <laughs> yeah, there is. And any, I would say any job you're in right now, you could make it a product job. Like figure out how if you want to get into product and you work in some other field, you can start taking on personal projects or thinking about your job from a product perspective and start making that mindset self shift into product without having to change the job you're in. And then you will start getting that confidence. And when a, a role appears, you're ready. Completely. And everything that you've talked about in your pivot story here was really focused on people, not users. That's kind of how I look at it. And as an event coordinator, that's a bunch of people showing up. It's not a bunch of users on the website clicking buttons. <laughs> not I mean, at all. these are real people. They're going to show up. They're going to have a real experience. And it doesn't surprise me now while you're at CarMax working on product problems, but working at it at the most intimate level you can. People in the store, boots on the ground making sure that their experience is amazing. Towards the end, you were talking about, you know, go talk to as many people as possible every single day. 100% agree. Some of the best PMs I've ever worked with came from support. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> the empathy yeah. that if you you build, can work mm -hmm. in customer support and you can listen and have the empathy and really kind of digest the feedback, you will make a fantastic product manager. <laughs> I love that. So let's cap that off with what career advice do you have for new and aspiring product managers, given your career thus far, that maybe they don't know but need to know or it's not top of mind for them? There's a lot of people trying to break into product. And when I was working at my previous job at a startup, there's a lot of aspiring PMs who, you know, they see joining a startup as a great jumping off point to your career, which I would 100% agree with. But it's tough because a startup's not going to invest in anybody, right? You don't have limited budget, you have limited time. So we had to be very picky. But I did get to meet a handful of aspiring PMs that massively impressed me, one of which took on personal projects. And I think that's the number one thing that you can do to make yourself stand out in an interview for a, a product manager if you've never been a product manager is go out and look at a product that you'd like to use and think about how you'd want to make it better. You don't have to sell it to anybody. You don't have to present it to anybody, but put together your ideas of how you would want to make it better. And then when you are in that interview, show those personal projects. I think that's what's so powerful is that you took the time to think through a customer problem and you iterated on how it could be a better solution. And this one candidate that I talked to, unfortunately, we did not hire him, but I thought he was fantastic. He looked at our website. He started thinking through like, what are the customers that are using your product? What's an opportunity that I don't see addressed in your product suite that you have today? And how would I go about addressing that problem? And the previous company I worked at, we worked for home improvement companies doing messaging. And whenever you need a home improvement project, what do you have to do? You have to book an appointment. Well, we did not offer appointment setting. 
And so he came into the interview with a solution for us to set appointments. And he did independent research on who would be the best appointment vendors to partner with, or if we chose to build our own, what are the questions that we should go ask our current customers when it comes to appointment setting? Where in the journey would they want to do appointment setting? It was so impressive because he did this all on his own. And I'm not saying you need to go out and build a brand new product, like bring it to an interview, but he did the due diligence of not only learning about our company, but also learning about our customers before he showed up for that first interview. And I think a lot of PMs, they just have that wired in them. They're you know working on something and they're like, wow, I really wish this could be better. But then the idea just stops there. But if you are an aspiring PM and you have that thought, take a minute and write it down. Think about how would you share it on LinkedIn, put together three or four slides that you're like, hey, I thought about this and thought this could be cool. Put it out there and have people start noticing that you're coming up with these ideas. And I think that could really be a great foot in the door when it comes to wanting to break into product management. Such great advice. I wrote a few notes here. One of them was just my interpretation is the only way to get experience is to get experience. It really is. No one's going to hand you experience. You probably have like work experience or school experience, but like product management experience on day zero, right? You can shadow someone. Absolutely. You can be mentored by someone 100%. Um, You can go into an APM program, a great way to get started. But how do you get your foot in the door? And the only way to get experience is to get experience. And I love what you said as well, which I wrote down. It's like, don't let that idea die in your head. (laughs) Put it out there. If you have an idea, put it out there and find a personal project. Everybody has a phone in front of them. What's something that annoys you in one of the apps that you use? Oh my gosh, that's a dime a dozen. And how would you make it better? Who would you talk to to make it better? How would you envision those designs, flows, journeys looking like? And there's a lot of books you can read to get you started. Like that's your seeded information, but you actually have to put it into practice. Yep. And that could be at your own job too. Imagine you're working in a call center and you're using a software to write tickets or whatever it might be, right? To help your your customers move along. Look at that software you're using. How would you make it better? What's missing from it? What what doesn't make sense? What workaround? Because we know you have one. What workaround are you doing? Everybody you know, has a workaround when the software doesn't to, work, right? Every customer I've ever worked with, I go and watch them and shadow them for five minutes. I'm like, why do you do it that way? Oh, well, your button doesn't do what I want it to do. Have you have you told anyone that? No, we just all figured out how to make a spreadsheet that then does this to do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that would take a developer maybe a day to fix it, to do what you want it to do. But everyone has workarounds. And so if you're in a job and you're making the workarounds, stop and go, I should give this information to my product team. And I should do this often. And it's not annoying. I promise you, it's not annoying. Like the product managers love it. They want that feedback. They want to, to hear it. They want to put it in the backlog and prioritize it with all of their stuff and fix it for you because they do care about you (laughs) as being other fellow associates. They want to make your life better and you'll start to stand out. One of the product managers that I worked with in the past, he came up from support and then I actually kind of encouraged him. I was like, you really should go into product. He's like, why? Because every meeting we have, you immediately come up with this amazing idea and you're like, why don't we do it this way? And everyone in the room goes, why don't we do it that way? 
And it was your idea. And it would be awesome for you to take that idea and run with it and see where you could go with it. And I'm excited that he's in product now at the same company. And it sounds like he's killing it. And I'm like, I knew it. I knew he was going to be great because he had those amazing ideas that he just knew just instinctively was like, we should make it better because of this. Customer success. People don't give them enough credit. The front line of every software service product experience is someone on the end of a phone, on the end of a chat, on the end of an email, listening to you and trying to help you. Like at the end of the day, they're there to help you. And so they start to see these patterns and those patterns become opportunities because you see patterns might be the pebble that grows into the, you know, the rock that goes into the boulder that becomes the avalanche. Like they can see these things coming because they are there talking to customers every single day and do more of that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And if you're already a product manager, go hang out with them. Please go hang out with them. Make it a priority of yours to spend time with your customer success team. I guarantee in an hour, you will learn more about your customers than you did over the last month of doing your own research about something. Because these are the people who are using your product who are complaining about your product and want it to be better. And these are also people who are dealing with all of those. And like you said, recognize the patterns. Oh, everyone's calling and wants to do X, but they can't. Well, our competitor lets them do X. Should we prioritize that? Maybe we should. Let's bring that back up and talk about it in our strategy meeting. Like, is this something that we need to do or risk losing these customers? It's vital. It is vital. And my last piece of advice on that one, put a meeting on your calendar called Coffee with Product and go buy them some coffee. Have a chat. And that's actually like the idea of how the podcast title came about because I used to do I would take folks out to coffee or sometimes beers because it depends on the time of day it is. And we would just have a chat. (laughs) Depends on how the week was. (laughs) Depends on how the week was. Exactly. But absolutely. Yeah. Talk to the front line. They've got a lot of great experience. Okay. So we know where you got started, which is an awesome, like getting started pivot story of incredibly customer focused. They're people focused. And we know where you are today, still people focused, which I absolutely love. So between then and now, you've got a lot of highs and lows. What is something that you've learned that's maybe transformed you, your perspective or your product thinking? Yes. So you, you sent me this question ahead of time and I thought about it a lot. <laughs> Because there's a lot. <laughs> there's plenty of things. And I'm sure you have a whole laundry list oh of things gosh, that you're like, yes. oh, if I could do that again. But I would say one of the hardest things for me to, to learn, and I'm still learning this, is as a product manager, I think we all put a lot of self-inflicted pressure on ourselves to have all the answers. And we are the ones who are prioritizing. We are the ones who are, you know, setting the direction, helping build the strategy, putting all of the pieces in place. And it can get very overwhelming very quickly to feel like you don't know something. And one thing that was I say probably about two and a half years ago, I was working on this this product and it was a high velocity team. We were running very quickly, trying to get things out to market. And I was overwhelmed. I really was. And I took a step back and I'm like, why am I doing this or feeling like I'm doing this alone? All of the engineers on my team are unbelievable. I had an unbelievable designer with me, an unbelievable QE with me, and I was not leveraging them nearly as much as I should. And I look back at it now and it's a total dumb moment where, (laughs) holy cow, how could you not be including them in everything? But at the time, I thought I was protecting their time. I was like, no, I, I, you know, engineers, they need heads down time to code. 
I don't want to pull them into a bunch of meetings and design. You know, you have all these amazing workflows you need to focus on. I'll only pull you in when I really need you. And I was trying to do everything myself. And I really know like the powerful, the most powerful teams are the ones that actually do everything together. And some teams do this where it's just a core team. You know, you have your tech lead, your design, maybe your analyst and the PM who are you know, really working together. My current team, everyone's on the boat. I put every single uh, developer I have, the designer, the QE, the analyst, we're all in discovery. We're all talking about strategy. We're all in these recap meetings. We're all collaborating. And at first I was like, oh, this is going to get overwhelming. People are going to be mad, either, especially now that we're mostly remote, you know, we're going to be mad at the number of meetings and all of these things. But I found that our team actually runs 400 times faster because we all know what's going on. We all understand and can regurgitate the why at the drop of a hat. Everyone on the team knows what we're going after. And there's way more brains now to help think through the best possible solution. Because I mean, I'm the product manager. I, there's no way I'm going to know the best way to architect this. There's no way to know I'm going to know the best way to build software, the best UX design or, or all of this, right? That's why we have these amazing people on our teams that help us. But for so long, I was thinking, I'm supposed to know all this stuff. And it's, it's I think it's a really tough thing because you are in those meetings with you know leadership and strategy and you're the PM and you're representing, but you don't need to feel like you're the only person on an island that has to be holding the weight of those decisions. And that is amazing. The one thing I honed in on here is we all need to know the why. Like at the essence of product management, what are we building and why are we building it? Because when you work with engineering or designers or anyone, you've got to be able to explain it or you've got to be able to regurgitate it or you got to be able to tell a story about it or bring them along for the ride. Like there's no reason why you can't bring them along. And I, I totally get the protecting your time. I think product managers, a lot of times, you know, don't talk to my engineers. <laughs> Leave my designer alone. They're my project, not your project. I mean, there's like this competitiveness to ship and to execute. And you feel like you do want to protect your people. I do tell my team, now I'll admit, I, I, I tell my team, protect your time. Put time on your calendar that is yours. That, But that's them protecting their time, not me protecting time for them. You know what I mean? If you have work that's heads down that you need to get done because you need focused time from 8 to 10, whatever time zone you're in now because we're all remote, you know, put a calendar block on there and protect your own time. But then the time that's available, it's available for learning, for discovery, for chat, for catching up, for coffee. You know, it's make that time available to collaborate and bring a bunch of smart people into the room. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. And you really should never be the smartest person in the room. The smartest person in the room brought all the smarter people into the room. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you should be the smartest person who brought in all the other smart people. Exactly. Yes. yes. You're 100%. 100%. Yes. So that has been, I mean, again, still learning that. I go through times where I'm like, oh, we should work on this. Let me go and start the discovery. But then you're spending all this time bringing everybody back up with you. You're like, oh, we should all just go on this journey together. Let's go all figure this out. Learn, think about it. And, you know, product thinks about a problem differently than design thinks about a problem, think differently than engineering thinks about a problem. And they're all great ideas. And we come together and we figure out the best idea for the customer and that why and solving the why. My heart breaks whenever I'm in a meeting and an engineer doesn't know why. You know, why are we building this? Who is it for? And it's like, oh no, like we got to know. We have to all know why. And then we'll build the best possible solution. Yeah. The best solutions are built when the why is completely understood by all parties. 
not just a few. Like. And then also when you communicate it up, we all are telling the same story and it's very cohesive and it builds confidence in your team. Oh, yes. You are speaking the truth. I look at so many times when I didn't bring an engineer with me to a customer conversation and I could be kicking myself in the butt. And, you know, today I work at DocuSign and I'm quite frequently on the calls with customers as we're working on launching a product. And in those calls, I always make sure if they're available, I bring on an engineer or two or three, at least the ones that are working on the specific issue that we're addressing with the customer. The designer is there to hear the experience and occasionally we bring on research if we have availability. And, you know, I'm driving the conversation, absolutely, but they're there contributing and listening. And I always make sure that I make it okay for them to ask questions. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, I don't have any more questions. How about, you know, so-and-so in the room or so-and-so on the call, any ideas, thoughts, or perspectives on this thing and make it okay for them to speak up too. Cause I think, I don't know if you've seen this, but you know, there's a good amount of engineers that are introverts and that's okay. Help them communicate by making it okay, creating a safe place, or maybe even asking questions on their behalf. You know, that's perfectly fine too. Yep. The best thing to do during discovery is have like an open Slack window where people can on your team just drop in their questions. You have it open now, especially being remote now, it's way easier to oh, yeah. not hear your customer you're interviewing doesn't know that you're looking over to see if there's other questions to ask and everyone can kind of get their questions in. Also, I love to leave time after discovery where the team can kind of digest and brainstorm really quickly because some of the times we'll be having a really deep conversation and the customer wants to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, how would we ever do that? And maybe I'll call the dev and they're like, oh yeah, that's super easy. There's just like this thing I would put in there. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, I could do that now. You want me to do that now? <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, yes. It's that immediate right after closure of a phone call. You're saying goodbye and thank you to the customer, whoever you're talking to. And you immediately like jump right on the next Zoom call and uh, using Slack slash Zoom just to like kick it off really quickly. But great tips. Nice. Nice. So let's flip that around a little bit. Let's talk about some of your greatest career moments, some of your career highlights, if you will. What were the keys to the success as you reflect upon that? And it's okay if recency bias is there, but... Uh, I'm definitely still running high on that. But when I thought about this question, I was like, what was kind of the point where I was like, that was amazing. That just felt good. I was actually working on a shift-based product where we were helping restaurants find workers who could come in just to work a shift. So you didn't need to actually hire someone. I used to work for a job board and you didn't need to hire someone full-time. Maybe you just needed some help for an event over the weekend or during the dinner rush to come in and wash dishes or whatever it might be. And we started noticing that the job board side of the house where it's looking for full-time, part-time hourly workers and the gig side of the house that we were on, we started noticing workers almost like jumping back and forth where we were seeing them as from a business model, they're very separate. And you're either working gig work or you're looking for full-time work, but you are kind of doing both. And organically on the gig side of the house, we are noticing that our gig workers were falling in love with some of the gigs that they were doing, picking up shifts at the same place over and over again, and ultimately getting a full-time job there, which makes total sense. You know, try before you buy. If I like it, I'll keep working there. If I don't, no big deal. I don't have to go back. And it was a cool model. And we started thinking, how could we actually bring this model into the bigger job board side of the house where you could do this try before you buy of, you know, full-time or part-time hourly jobs? And we put together this vision. I worked with the team over on the job seeker side of the house. 
put together this massive vision of how could this journey look for our job seekers today and allowing them to kind of get a taste of both worlds. And again, you know, business originally very separate gig. We don't know the future of that. This was, you know, Uber was taking off. And, and you know, this is obviously pre-pandemic when gig work was still a little bit like, eh, we don't know what's going to happen. So seeing this was a little off-putting at first to our leadership team, but we were really like, no, we see it in action. We see it in the field. We have the workers who are actually doing this today. It's not something we made up. This is actually like organically already happening. And so we were able to put together this this vision and kind of a a click-through prototype, if you will, like how could this look? And it got so much traction that they actually invited me and the designer I worked with to present it to our board of directors, which was fascinating because traditionally we were job board you know, clicks, how many applications, what's our conversion rate, like very data metric heavy around the job board when this pitch was much more, you know, experience. Like we want to build this amazing experience for workers to come here and to really just find whatever it is that they're working for. And how can we evolve with the way that work is evolving in the world today? And it was very different than the traditional things that they were seeing. And it was fantastic to go. It was a board dinner. So we went and we did the presentation. Board really liked it. And then we sat down for dinner and you just felt this energy in the room from all of our investors that were just like, wow, we're part of something that's going to be so cool. It's so different. And they were asking all these questions and it was very customer focused. Again, different than your traditional, like, you know, numbers on graphs. How are we doing? I want everything up to the rate. What's what's the plan here? And I still think that that was probably one of the highest moments in my career because it felt like there was this turning point in the mentalities of those who were making like the big decisions for the company that we were a part of planting that seed, which was really cool. That's amazing. I think you said like the gig side was just crushing it. You know, I want to try before I buy. You know, you make a commitment to take on a job or a role or or whatever. And typically that means you left another job or a role to do that, which is a big risk that people take. And I guess in the gig economy, maybe not so much because you might have many gigs that fill up your time. I don't know. Just kind of thinking out loud for a minute. But I can understand that makes sense. But then the folks that are on the job side, how do you make their lives awesome too? How do you replicate that? And I put the question is, how might we bring this to the job board side? Side of the house, which I think is what you were asking, right? Yep. So we had an established, you know, cross country job board business. The gig business was only in a handful of markets. Oh, and so it, what okay. we were trying to figure out is how could we scale gig while also bringing in the markets on the job board side that already have gig available because we were keeping them very separate. And so the MVP kind of vision we set out was for those markets where we're live and as we add more markets, how can these worlds actually be one experience versus two? Like there was, they were two separate apps. Like it was just, you, you had to choose what are you here to do? And really it didn't have to be that way. So we're really re-envisioning you arriving to our site and what can we help you with? Are, do you want to something temporary? You need to make some money and you want to get paid weekly? Or are you looking for a commitment, ready to change jobs, ready for something that's for long-term? <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I'm looking back at my previous notes and one of the things you said earlier, uh, or I think we summarized earlier was don't let that idea just die in your head, put it out there. And you're putting it out there, got you in front of the board. It wasn't just me. I mean, we had a whole team, of Absolutely, course, yeah. I got to be the representation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, understood. Understood. All right. So let's wrap this up with the best career advice you've ever received that maybe you want to pay it forward for new and aspiring PMs. I would say that the best career advice I've ever gotten was 
take every opportunity. If an opportunity shows up, even if you don't know exactly what it means, or if you can do the whole job, take it. What you'll learn as you grow in your career, and obviously you're going to have a lot of mentors in your life. You're going to have a lot of people you look up to that you work with. There's going to be a lot of people who are opening doors for you that you did not know were opening those doors for you. And so when you take that opportunity, you have to be thankful for the connections you've made, the relationships you've built, because there was probably a person, if not a group of people who helped open that door for you to take that opportunity. And you don't get an opportunity all the time. So when you get them, take them, it's going to be scary. (laughs) You might not know what's going to happen, but you need to go for it because that opportunity won't last for long and it's not going to come around again, potentially, but most likely it's probably not. Like jump on it, go for it, put yourself out there. Worst thing that can happen didn't work out, but at least you tried. The last thing you want is to not have tried. You know, that was me. I always wanted to work for startup, had a great job, loved it, had the opportunity to go lead product for startup was like, do I do it? This is a huge (laughs) risk. But how many times in your life are you going to get to go in when it's a 30-person business with a cool product that you'll get to go and actually build up a product team? I've not had another one. So (laughs) I'm like, that was awesome. I loved it. It was so much fun. And like, we got into a really good place. And, you know, it was was one of those things where you just have to go for it. Uh, But I think people get nervous. They get in their own heads, of course. You know, risk is tough. And obviously you have to outweigh where you are personally, financially, you know, professionally. But if you can, please take the risk, jump on it, try it. Everything you try is going to take you in the step of a direction that's going to lead you to bigger and better things. I love it. Take every opportunity. And a couple of notes that I put here as I was thinking about you telling the story is, you know, doors open with opportunity and the connections you make, which I love LinkedIn is, is making connections. And I reach out to a lot of people on LinkedIn, such as you, and, you know, try to make and establish a rapport and, you know, get to know what you're doing and creating those opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities. And I think the, the way that I've heard this told is you create your own luck, right? And I think it's the same thing. Like take every opportunity, you're going to meet more people, you're going to do things you're uncomfortable with, which is how you're going to grow. You're going to um, have experiences that you, you would have never had if you had not taken that opportunity. And it's going to open more doors to you. And you look at people like, wow, that was pretty lucky that you got job X or job Y or you landed at company C, right? But in reality, it was probably because three opportunities ago, they took advantage of that opportunity, as you just said, and they made the luck happen. They create your own luck. Well, Susan, thank you so much for sharing your stories, your product wisdom and career tips. If listeners want to connect with you personally or learn more about working with you, maybe at CarMax, um, how would you like that to happen? Yeah, anyone can connect with me on LinkedIn, um, as well as I share different things on Medium. If you want to follow me on Medium, learn more about product. I like to share a lot of things on there. Uh, But yeah, feel free to reach out. You got it. I will make sure your LinkedIn profile and your Medium hub is linked there too. So until next time, Product Nation, stay curious and take every opportunity. That's all for this episode of Coffee with Product, but we have plenty more methods to help you find your way forward in your product career. To collect the wisdom tips from today's episode, as well as all of our other episodes, visit us online at coffeewithproduct.com and be sure to give us some feedback on how we can help you wake up and let wisdom be your way forward exclusively on coffeewithproduct.com. 